this podcast is a part of the Dragon Suplex Podcast Network. Find us wherever you get your podcasts and visit us at chopskicksandnearfalls.com for daily articles about wrestling from around the globe. gentlemen and everybody inside and outside of the gender spectrum and welcome back to stardom quest the best weekly stardom podcast anywhere in the world i am as always alex and i am joined by dylan hi dylan hey alex hey guys wrestling is an exhausting sport or performance whatever the fuck you want to call it it's exhausting like not just like to be a wrestler but just to like watch wrestling sometimes it like it takes a toll on you. We we watched the show that we were going to talk about um on this episode a couple of days ago, I guess. I it was what uh like 30 hours ago. I have not watched a single thing of wrestling since then because I am just so much like overload, man. Overload. This was it was a rough night to be a not necessarily a rough night. It was a it was a tiring night to be a wrestling fan. I think that's fair to say. Okay, and a lot of that is not Stardom's fault. <laughs> um, That's true. I, I think you're you're talking about some of the other stuff that went down, but we are here to talk but about But some Stardom. of it is, is definitely Stardom's fault. Some of it is definitely Stardom's fault. I but mean, we'll get yeah. into that. Okay, yeah. Um, so yeah, as you can imagine, we're, uh, we're here to talk about uh, Yokohama Dream Cinderella 2021 in spring from the Yokohama Budokan. Uh, it was, of course, a pay-per-view. It was live on Pia and uh, Samurai TV. And we are here to talk about it because, I mean, I really like the show. I think Dylan liked a lot of the show. And basically, it's uh, we also have to talk about Cinderella in our next episode. So we did want to split them because these are both going to take a lot of time. So uh, we could not do two in one. So we're here just to talk about Cinderella today. Um, I suppose to start off, uh, Stardom they're both is... Called, they're both called Cinderella. <laughs> Everything is called Cinderella now. Everything. Yeah. Everything is called Cinderella. Mm-hmm. Um, to start off with, I suppose the Stardom is claiming that they did 1,029 fans for this show. Um, I was kind of skeptical because I feel like there's a lo- there was so much competition. Like yesterday, uh, Oz Academy was at Corkin, Actress Girls had a Corkin, uh, Hoda was running her anniversary show, uh, New Japan did Sakura Genesis and drew like just under 5,000, and DDT ran like two or three shows in Itabashi. If that number Noah is... ran a show, I think too. Yeah, like th- there was so much going on yesterday. So if that number is legitimate, then like that's really and really good and for freedoms and, and Jesus freedoms. Christ, everybody was running a show. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I forget who it was that there was twelve different companies running at the same time in Japan. Jesus, um, all within like the mainland of you know Japan. So that's it's a lot of fucking companies. Um, I looked back and it does look roughly similar to the first Yokohama show which they did draw like a thousand something fans. So I don't think it was like a bloated number, uh, but I definitely do agree that it seems very peculiar that they would draw that many with so much competition of so many, you know, 
not necessarily more popular brands, but it's like some people prefer, you know, like New Japan fans and Stardom fans are very similar. And the fans that aren't New Japan Stardom fans are usually Stardom and Mika Hoda fans, Stardom and, you know, um, Oz Academy fans. Like there's usually a lot of overlap. So the fact that Stardom got so many fans um, is a bit odd. Uh, maybe maybe it's just like a good sign and like we're just being you know skeptical and being you know pessimistic and maybe it's just like that they're people fucking love stardom but it is definitely a weird uh little thing but you know good for them yeah definitely like i think um like i mentioned that it, it's i was kind of skeptical not because of um not because I, I think they would inflate their numbers or anything but it was just kind of like i remember we were talking about it last week like the pre-sales on tickets like n- there was only one of them that was limited and then like with them running against sakura genesis as well and only doing a thousand and seven fans in this venue the last time i was like hmm, it doesn't look good for them but like it just seems that they've created a lot of new stardom fans in recent times uh obviously you know the budokan show did you know 3300 ish and i'm sure a lot of those people were first time fans and maybe they've just come back or maybe just all of the marketing and advertising has worked to the point where you know if stardom were to run a show like this uh unopposed by all these different brands they might do really really well um but yeah it's, it's a really good number for them and I, i'm glad that they did well i still i still can't wait for like the restrictions to end because i think with stardom packing so many fans into venues now like some of these like corkins are going to be insane and uh like i think one of the first like yokohama shows with the proper crowd will be really really good and uh, i can't wait for those yeah i mean i feel like that's just the case for wrestling is that it's like once once stuff starts coming back into full force it's going to be a lot more fun to watch and a lot more you know interesting to see how metrics shape out it is interesting we've talked about this being a Pro and a con uh, before. I don't know if we really like dived into it on the show before about how they're really basing themselves out of Yokohama. Um, you know, a lot of their shows are in Yokohama. They are, you know, they're either in Yokohama or in Korokin, basically. Uh, obviously, they have an Oda Ward show coming up, which is in Tokyo, but you get what I mean. That it's very much that that like area is very, very, very much the focal point. They go to Osaka, you know, once a month, maybe. And then they'll go to Nagoya twice a year, you know, like they'll go up to Sapporo once a year, maybe like it's it's very much heavy on the shows that they're having in Tokyo and around the Tokyo area um, and Kanagawa, of course, which is Yokohama. Um, so, you know, satur- oversaturation and overexposure could be an issue, but it is interesting that they are very much uh, heavily playing into the Yokohama market. That's where they want to succeed more than anybody anywhere seems to be to me i don't know i i that that sentence came out weird but you get what i mean it definitely did um i guess yokohama is just a good place for wrestling like i feel like there's been obviously with the the yokohama cultural gymnasium it's kind of been a bit of a hub for big wrestling shows for a while um and especially joshi because obviously i mean oz academy used to run there and uh, ice ribbon would do their big show there um obviously before it closed down so I can see why Stardom is kind of going, okay, well, we'll make a go of running the uh, Yokohama Budokan. Um, yeah, I mean, um, Dream Slam, which the anniversary was just last week, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, that was in Yokohama. So, I mean, one yeah. of them was in Yokohama. Yeah, like, it's, it's got a, it's, it's a, 
it's a location with a lot of ties to Joshi, so I'm not really surprised that uh that Stardom would be aiming for there because I guess it just if you can get hot there then you can do really well, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, that's enough about the attendance and uh, stuff like that. Uh, we're just going to go straight into the show. So the opener was a three-way match. Uh, Hina, Lady C, and Azumi were in this match. Uh, Hina won. She pinned Lady C in a very surprising result. Uh, she pulled out Dude. that uh, old thing where Manami Toyota did, I think, where she'd like, roll the person around a lot and then pin them. And uh, she, she did the... that for the win. Yeah. She did the Bulldog KT clutch. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the ghetto clutch, yeah, Bulldog KT. Good yeah. stuff. It was it was a funny joke. It was a fine joke. Um, yeah, this match was actually really good. I really enjoyed it. Azumi, um, as she said in the presser beforehand, said that she was gonna be the showman. She was gonna be, you know, the the crowd person. She came out with a t-shirt cannon, um, and that was fucking dope. And yeah, Azumi was obviously the main focus of this match. Um, Hina ended up obviously winning it when Azumi was outside of the ring. I really enjoyed the fact that Hina got the win. Uh, everybody knows I'm a, I'm a big Hina fan, and I think her pinning Lady C really gives her that bump that she needs, given that, you know, Rina came back, and she's already into the mix of Oedo Tai. Um, Hannon came back, and she is getting wins with the, you know, with the armbar over her sister mainly, but over other people and over Ruka. And I think Hina was sort of the odd man out when it comes to, like, things to do, necessarily. So um, her getting this win here is definitely a good thing. I think it keeps them a little bit more level, um, the Minami sisters. And, yeah, um, do you have any comments about the match? Um, yeah, I think it was good. I think Hina really did show out. Um, she showed a lot more than she did in her uh, her returning tag match. Um, and, I mean, I think it's unfortunate. Uh, poor Lady C, like, they really just don't seem to see anything in her. Like, she just... There's no end in sight to her losing to anyone and everyone, um. But like it was a it was a really well worked match. Like as far as openers go, and you know the surprising result uh, made it worthwhile. And uh, it's good for Hina. It's a good like credibility establishing win. I think it's something that if they wanted to, it could push her into, you know, maybe the future Stardom title scene to have a one off challenge against Ida. I think Ida could definitely make that work and have a really good match with her. Um, so I think, you know, they've given themselves somewhere to go with this, or at the very least, they've given her credibility so that she can put other people over. Yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, the issue with Lady C is that they haven't trained another wrestler in over a year, um, and they don't seem to be interested in it in the COVID era, which is kind of a problem for somebody like Lady C, who is, I don't know if you guys know, very tall, but her her uh, you know expertise is not there yet, and she has no um, she has no place over any other person in the roster, and she probably won't for a long period of time, and that's sort of um, rough because you know she's losing to a fourteen year old, fifteen year old, I think she's yeah fourteen year old. Um, that's kind of tough, but it, it is what it is. Hina, like you said, really good in this match when she bumps. It looks like she fucking concusses herself every time. Like, she she just does not tuck the... Like, I don't know if, if she doesn't tuck the chin properly or whatever, but, like, it looks like she just fucking dies every single time that she falls. And it is kind of worrying, but also kind of intense, and I, I respect it. I respect that, you know. Um, yeah, good match. Uh, kind of weird Azumi didn't win, because, you know, uh, we were watching it on a totally legal site, and I was reading the chat, 
and the chat was like, oh yeah, I think Azumi's gonna win the Cinderella, or is gonna, you know, like go to the finals or do something big. You know, like a lot of people were saying that, and then she effectively lost to a a, a child, um, even though she didn't lose. You know, she was outside of the ring. It wasn't. She doesn't look bad, but it is kind of weird that she doesn't get this win. Um, but again, Hina getting the win is always welcome, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Um, I. I don't think it's a slight on Azumi myself, anyway, that she lost. Um, I know that's not what you said, but, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's like a... There's anything to read into about it. I just think that they saw an opportunity to, to give Hina a win, probably with something in mind down the line. Um, and Azumi didn't really need it. Like, I don't think she would have gained much from pinning Lady C or, or Hina. So that's, that's really what I think happened there, was they said, well, Hina winning just, you know, is more useful. So, and I don't blame them. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, with that, let's move on to the next match. Um, this is one that I really want to rewatch. Um, we, uh, I mean, I and a lot of other people had a, a lot of audio issues with the stream, uh, where like there was a delay between the in-ring action and the audio, and I think there was no match that was affected more than this one because this was just so stiff. Like they were just beating each other up, and it really made it hard to enjoy it to its fullest when you would see Momo giving her these stiff kicks and you wouldn't hear the impact until like a second later. Um, but that said, this was still great. Like even with the audio issues, they just beat each other up. Um, I think this is the kind of Momo that I've been waiting to see. Like she just had that energy about her that she hasn't had in a long time where she was like, I'm just going to maul this person. I'm going to kill them. And, you know, Mina, credit to her, she took every hit that Momo gave her and she was ready to just dish them back out and hit her with uh, her stiff forearms and yeah like they just they really beat each other up and credit to both of them they delivered a really good match and uh hopefully this is the start of something for Momo because like with a performance like this it's kind of like well you definitely shouldn't leave her out of your plans you know big plans because she can deliver matches like this throughout the card and uh, they will always be amazing yeah, give me a Momo centric singles match, and you will give me a good match. Like, there's no real ifs, ands, or buts about it. The only time Momo has a bad match is when Momo is doing somebody else's match. Um, and even then, it's usually pretty decent, regardless. So, you know, I don't know how many times we got to say that Momo is one of the best wrestlers in the world. Um, for you to fully grasp that we believe that Momo is one of the best wrestlers in the world. Um, Mina. Had her best singles match to date. Uh, she said that's what she wanted to do, and that's what she did. It was really good. Like you said, the audio was a bit, you know, fucky, and I wasn't a big fan of that. Uh, and at points, and obviously, you know, because I'm me, I must criticize a certain aspect of it. At points, Mina would do, like, submissions and shit. And, like, I'm cool with Mina when she's, you know, doing strikes and she's selling. And, you know, like, her selling's really improved. Her striking's improved. You know, even, like, her, her more fast-paced type stuff is not bad. Her technical stuff is atrocious, and I wish she would stop doing it because she always like there's always that point in the match where she does like a weird leg submission and it just doesn't look like it doesn't look tight at all. It doesn't look like it would like it doesn't look like anything really, and it's just really bad. And like I'll just be like, okay, you were having a really really good stuff. Can we like get past this like minute of just submission for no reason so that we can move on to more good stuff? And luckily, that that's what happened. She didn't really stay into in any submission holds too long. Um, and like you said, it was a really good moment. When Momo won 
pretty definitively. She kind of killed her. She won with the, was it Tequila Sunrise, or did she actually hit the Peach Sunrise? Uh, I think it was a Tequila Sunrise, yeah. Yeah. So, um, Momo the Alcoholic, she, she got the win with that. <laughs> and yeah, it, it it was a good it was a good match. Um, something that was really interesting was after the match, Momo shook Mina's hand, and I I thought about it, and it's like, huh, like because we we talk about like the intricacies of like shaking hands and how it's so weird in stardom. Um, and I thought about it, and I was like, huh, we, Momo only shakes hands with people that she beats the shit out of. <laughs> like if 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 she loses a match, she will not shake your hand, but if she kills you. She'll be like, yeah, okay, I, I I respect it. She is the most. She is such a sore loser. It's really hilarious. Like I really appreciate it, and she shouldn't lose. Um, in general, but I I think that was a really fun aspect was that she shook Mina's hand after she murdered her. Um, because you know that's just what Momo does. Yeah. Um, I think what what I noticed actually when. Momo was walking to the ring. I I don't know why this hit me just then, but this is what the fifth Stardom pay per view that they've done. Fourth, maybe fifth. Yes. She has had a, a singles match, like a a proper marquee singles match on all of them. I think that's really interesting. Like I know a lot is made about her booking, but just realizing that like they've made they've gone out of their way to use her in singles matches on these big shows every time it's definitely just an eye-opener to me that it's like as much as we can worry about her it seems like they do at the very least want to put her in big positions if you know what i mean like the only match that wasn't like a super marquee was her and himeka at a sendai and even that like that even was so, a singles match that you was know? that was in that was an incredible match i really like that one mm-hmm. um and you're right. I feel like she's definitely a staple, and I don't think I feel like this show. You know, before the main event, this show really put into perspective that it's like maybe we give Stardom a harder time than we need to. You know, because like, like obviously, like things that will will go up and like be annoying or whatever, and like you know, shit won't hit correctly or whatever. But it's like I feel like we give the company a hard time. The main event sort of made me think differently because then I was just really annoyed. We'll get to that later. Um, but I think that is one thing that Momo definitely does have a spot. She is a staple of stardom. And, you know, obviously we could want more for her. And I don't think that's unfair to want her to do more because, like I said, she's probably top two on the roster, you know, behind maybe Mayu. And, you know, I, I think that it's not unfair to want more. But I do think we need to recognize that she definitely does have a spot on the roster. She is cared for to a degree, even if she isn't the top dog or close to being the top dog as much as we think she should be. Um, so you've got a good point. I personally would really like to see Momoa's tag up. And I say that basically every episode, but just because I feel like both of them could really use it, really use being like a, a full-fledged tag team, a part of the you know dwindling and, and suffering tag team division. I, I think that that would be a really good um thing to do just to get them both over a bit more but as of right now her being the only wrestler to have five straight singles matches on these pay-per-views i believe maybe that was wrong no yeah she's the only yeah she's the only person to have five straight singles matches on these shows so that's pretty big uh you're not wrong 
yeah, like, as you said, the, the show put a lot into perspective. Um, I think, like, when stardom hits, they really hit. And, and when they don't, they, they really don't. And, uh, you know, I just think that uh, seeing Momo walk out in this and just going, oh, yeah, like, she's had, like, these, like, marquee singles matches on every show, yet we complain about her booking all the time. And it was kind of like, maybe we should just give them a little bit of slack because um, I do think we all get caught up in the narrative around Momo a little bit like it's definitely alarming that whenever they want they'll just go to her to lose you know big matches or whatever but they still give her those big matches you know which is important um, and I know once again we are spending way too long talking about Momo Watanabe um, but yeah like I just I noticed that um, when she was making her entrance and I thought that was a really interesting thing that I wanted to bring up um, but yeah, like enough about Momo. Credit to Mina. This was, as you said, best match of Mina's career. Um, really fair play to her. Uh, I think both, you know, her and Tam, and I mean Onagi as well. Like they are. A lot of people didn't like them, and you know, a lot of people still don't. But like they are improving, and they're finding their footing, and they're having yeah, these Alex. really really good matches. I saw something you said in the last word group chat and we might have beef because you said that cosmic angels was your favorite faction yeah kind of sus See, i'm not gonna I, lie kind of sus i might have said that just to annoy xavier though <laughs> okay yeah I, I didn't read the context whatsoever i was just like what the fuck did this dude just say and that that was very much it. Oh. <laughs> but also, could you blame but, me? Yeah. Like Tam is out there just smacking bitches every match. Uh, uh, I can blame you. Have you seen Queen's Quest? That's the question. Have you watched a Queen's Quest match? Yes, I have. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So I don't think there's any, whatever, whatever, man. Okay. All right. You really just side. You really just derailed my entire thing there, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do that. Yeah. Okay. Right. Um. So yeah, credit to Mina. Uh, credit to the Cosmic Angels. We'll talk more about the other angels later, but uh, they are really doing we'll good work. We'll talk about them right now, because Unagi's now. Yes, but I wasn't wasn't finished, but yeah, okay. Um, oh, go ahead. Sorry, I apologize. No, it's, it's fine. It's not like you were wrapping things up. Is you... <laughs> he gets a bit of monster and Gatorade into him, and this is what you turn into, I swear. Dude, cool blue monster and mango... Or no, fuck. What? Let's just move on. Okay, so the next match on the show then was uh, Unagi Saka against uh, Sai Kamatani. Uh, Kamatani beat Unagi with the Star Crusher. Uh, this went 13 minutes, almost 14 minutes, and I enjoyed it. I didn't like it as much as I thought I would because I think I had really high expectations because they're both absolute nutballs. Um, but they delivered like a pretty good match still given... Both of them are relatively inexperienced, and um, you know it's nice to see them give Saya a notable win. I think it's interesting that the Angels went uh, 0-2 here against Queen's Quest. I am interested to see how that plays in going down the line, because I don't think this is the end of these two factions fighting each other. So um, you know, I think the the match probably takes a backseat there to the result, um, because. Again, they've been protecting Saya a lot since uh, her losing to Utami, and her beating Unagi here is uh, definitely another step in that. And uh, she delivered a pretty good singles match against an inexperienced opponent, which, had you said that to me like four or five months ago about Saya Kamatani, that she'd be, 
you know, delivering singles matches, um, good singles matches on these big stages against Unagi Saka, I just would not have believed you at all. Yeah, um, we are very much inverted um, in this, in that you had high expectations and you were slightly disappointed. I had very low expectations and I was completely surpassed by them. Um, I really enjoyed this match. Um, it, again, I, I, we're using the words put into perspective a lot, but really put into perspective how much Saya's mid-game has improved since the five stars in terms of singles matches. Because I think of the five star and she was having, you know, matches around this length, if not a bit longer, um, basically every show. And they were very not good because her mid game was terrible, quite frankly. Um, you know, her, her beginning was usually pretty good and her, you know, the closing sprint was usually pretty decent, but her mid game was just always very uninteresting and always uninspired to me in singles matches. And that's why when she got slotted into the tag team role, it was very much a good thing because that really improved her um, her overall output of, of, of matches. And you look at this match, and I think that Saya did absolutely amazing when it comes to like the, you know, seven, eight, nine minutes into it mark, you know, because usually that's when it starts to lull in a 13-minute match. But she really was able to keep my interest in that. At one point, she locked in a torture crab which is a move that I never see, but I love so much. Like I get so hyped when I see a torture crab because it's like, you know, obviously I'm, I'm cool with a, with a typical, you know, Boston crab, but she just starts like kicking her in the head and just like fucking like noogieing her and all the shit. And I was just like, this is dope. I love that. Um, and I didn't realize how invested I was in this one until um, Inagi almost got the win and Saya did a really late kick out and I freaked the fuck out. I was like, I don't want Unagi to win this match. Uh, so that's that's good, you know, that um, I care about Unagi enough to really not want her to win. Um, and yeah, I, I really did enjoy this match. I think it was really well done. Um, probably not as much as the Momo versus Mina match. Like you said, I gotta go back and watch that Momo versus Mina match because I feel like it was probably a lot better than even we are giving credit for um, because the audio was just sort of, you know, jarring at first. Uh, yeah, really enjoyed this match. One thing, and I don't know if you caught this, but uh, Unagi decided um, to go into business for herself, brother. And she did the old school kick out at three um, gimmick, like, you know, Hoda used to do and how Hokuto used to do and like Combat Toyota. And um, most of our Western listeners will know Hulk Hogan used to do um, on the Star Crusher, which is a move that one person has kicked out of. I know that I read into things a lot, but that just didn't feel right. I'm not going to lie. Like, of all people, Unagi kicking out a three on the Star Crusher just didn't feel right. It, 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 I don't know. Felt, felt a little wrong. I don't know why. But, you know, that, that it, it is what it is. Yeah, no, I, uh, I did notice that she did the, the kick-out thing, and I don't know if maybe they messed up the spot and uh, they were meant to do a, a phoenix splash as the finish uh, which is possible um but yeah I, I think it's just we've seen that a lot uh you and i we watch a lot of ajw uh getting the shoulder up at three to regain some credibility is is just a standard move uh sai still got the w and i'm cool with that i'm i'm cool with that but like i don't think unagi has any credibility to like need to you know like she doesn't have to protect herself she is the least protected wrestler 
that isn't a child. She's like, a champion. <laughs> she, she's a champion. Like she's well, one of singles the only, wise. Singles wise. She's one of the only three people in her faction. They have to protect her to some degree. Whatever, man. <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah. Like, um, I agree with you though that uh, I think Momo versus Mina was better than this, but like this was still pretty good. Um, and obviously, I feel like we're gonna see a lot more of these two down the line. Um, Stardom has definitely earmarked both of them for big things, so you know, match number one going the way of uh, Saya is something that I'll be interested to see how that plays out as they whenever they get to wrestle again. Um, probably for a title next time or in, in a GP or something like that. But uh, the next match that we have to go on to is uh, Stars versus Uedo Tai, the uh, full-scale war. Uh, just give me a second here to take a breath before I run down all ten of these competitors. Go ahead, brother. Okay, so the Uedo Tai team was Natsuko Tora, Saki Kashima, Konami, Raka, and Rina. And uh, they took on the Stars team of Mayu Ubatani, Starlight Kid, Saeeda, Hanan, and Gokigan Death. <sighs> Got there. <laughs> Got that out. Um, Good job, brother. Thank you. Um, this match was it was pretty chaotic. Like it was twenty five minutes, and it just it was almost all go go go. Like just stuff kept happening, and uh, you just couldn't catch your breath. I think the I. Uh, I think that the most notable things that I would like to point out is that uh, Raka eliminated Ida, so I don't think they are finished with one another. Um, and Rina had a very notably good showing in this. Like, she's the only person that I saw people come away saying, oh yeah, it's like, Rina was really good. Because um, her and I think Starlight Kid had some exchanges that were really, really good. And yeah, yeah to finish off then... Um, Konami or Saki Kashima beat Goki and Death last, and so Goki and Death is now Futagun Death, I think it is. Fukigan. Fukigan Death, and uh, she's in a way to tie. Uh, Stars had the match won, I think at least twice, um, but then a way to tie did a way to tie things, and they won. Uh, the first time they almost had it won was when Mayu Iwatani uh, did her usual. She held Saki Kashima for the tombstone. I think she looked directly at uh, Natsuko Tora and was like, I'm going to drop her on her head. She's mine now. And because, uh, you know, Mayu is uh, an amazing sadist. Um, but yeah, that you did know not what get I've realized? What? Is that when you look at that one match, I don't know if you've heard of it, um, Shawn Michaels versus Undertaker from WrestleMania, everything in that match, Mayu could do, but better. And that's coming from somebody who's a big fan of, of Shawn Michaels. She could do everything in that match, and she does a lot of, that, like, their two moves. Like, not on purpose, just sort of coincidentally. But she does them, um, like, infinitely better than both of them. And that's kind of insane. I mean, like, it's not unexpected, but it's kind of insane. Um, it's, it's, it's really fun. Her, her, her tombstone is, like, the best in the business. Her superkick is the best in the business. Uh, her moonsault, best in the, whatever, you know. I, I, I love Mayu. Go on, sorry for interrupting. That was a very strange path to go down. Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker. I did not Mayu think... could have done it better. Of course she could. <laughs> have you ever, like, okay, we're getting way off topic here. But um, I remember I went back and watched some of those Undertaker WrestleMania matches. Um, it was with a friend of mine. He was He was introducing a new friend to wrestling. 
and we watch some of those Undertaker WrestleMania matches, and they are fucking shit on rewatch. Holy <laughs> fuck. When I tell you, it's just they hit moves, and then they lie down for like five minutes. I shit you not. Oh, like, yeah. when you have the drama of the streak or whatever, you're like into it, and you're like, oh my god, who's going to get up first? Well, when you rewatch it with no drama, knowing who wins, those matches suck so bad. Like, oh my god. Honestly? Like, I think I think the only ones I can go back and watch and thoroughly enjoy as much as maybe not as much as but close to the amount I did when I first watched them are the plunder type ones. Usually the ones with Triple H, which sounds really like you know sacrilege because to say you'd rather watch Triple H than anybody is not a good look. But like I just remember their their one where Triple H just concussed him like seven times, like for like just for no reason. Like that that's like that sounds fun to watch. Uh, but like other than that, you're you're probably right. Um, this is definitely a tangent that we did not need to take. I no. apologize <laughs> to our listeners. Uh, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> we'll get back on track. Um, yeah, go ahead. Um, so yeah, uh, what I wanted to point out was uh, two small things. Uh, Konami went mad with that fire extinguisher. Uh, they <laughs> yeah. had props for some of these entrances, and Konami got her hands on a fire extinguisher, and she was go wild. And the other members of the way to tie were like trying to get around her without getting hit in they the were face. like falling over yeah like ruka like fell over because she couldn't like because konami was just fucking throwing shit all over the place like she was going crazy it was great yeah what an icon and um this when stars made their entrance i texted dylan this i was like stars look so cool as a full unit on these big stages i'm gonna be so upset if they break it up and they broke it up. <laughs> um, yeah, you can tell. You can tell by the looks in their eyes on their entrances that on Stars' entrance they they were losing. Um, because with big matches like these, you can sort of tell. Um, mm-hmm. like with TCS, you could tell that they were losing. Just looking at Jungle, you could tell that they were losing. Um, hell, with Jungle again when Jan died, um, you could tell that she was losing from her pre-match. Because she was literally crying her eyes out, um, because they had just informed her that she was losing her faction. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's one of those things that's like if you, like, it's a subconscious thing to look for that I kind of wish I didn't look for, even though I kind of knew I knew this ex- was the exact thing that was going to happen with Saki pinning get death. Um, you know, in the last thing, it was either Saki or Natsuko pinning death, and uh. I knew this was going to happen, but just like looking at their faces during the entrance, I was like, man, this is really just, this is really tough. Um, it didn't feel like 25 minutes, which is a really good thing. Um, it felt very, it felt like they were, like you said, they were taking advantage of all of the time they had. It didn't feel like it was dragging whatsoever. Um, a lot of the spots were really fun. Uh, the match started with Mayu doing her baseball throw and just fucking socking Natsuko in the face. Like, <laughs> I don't know why. I Like, that was so dope. Like, she did it and then just fucking punched her. Like, it was great, man. Mayu was off a of bean in this one. Um, I'm, I'm going to run down, down some of the eliminations real quick. Uh, Ruka pinned Ida with the freezer bomb. Hanan submitted Ruka with the jumping arm breaker. Konami pins Hanan with the buzzsaw kick. Um, Kid pins Rena with the double jump moonsault, which is really cool. Because um, usually she like goes up to the top and then does the moonsault. This time she did the springboard like Christopher Daniels used to do. Absolutely beautiful. Um, she's great. Kid, amazing. Um, then Kid and Natsuko eliminate both of each other um, over the top. 
Mayu eliminates Konami with a fucking apron German suplex because fuck Konami's neck. Uh, that was fucking brutal. And then, like you said, uh, Mayu hit the tombstone moonsault. Natsuko pulled the ref out. Saki pinned Mayu and then death. And now we have the Joker in a way to tie. Um, man, we were talking about it and I don't know how, how much we want to like shit on this, but Oedo Tai becoming a worse version of TCS, which was a worse version of Jan, which was a different version of Team Jan. Like, it feels really weird. Like, I don't know. Like, and I know saying it's a worse version of TCS is a bit of a hot take. I know saying TCS is a worse version of Jan is, you know, going to get me murdered. And I don't even think that TCS was a worse version of Jan. That's just a personal opinion, whatever, besides the point. Um, I don't like this. I really don't. Can I stop oh. you there? Because yeah, uh, in the post-match promos, which um, unless you read the uh, the report Stardom put out, you won't know this because they, they didn't bother to translate this in the tweets. Um, basically, Mayu said, we're doing this again at Oda Ward, and I'm winning Gokigan back. So I think this is a short-term thing that their death is in um, Uedotai. Because Natsuko is like, all right, but next time if you lose uh, Mayu or Starlight Kid, it's your turn to join the way to tie. So that should tell you straight away that um, they're running this back at Oda Ward, um, and Stars is winning and getting death back. So yeah, I, I think I would hold off being like disappointed or anything like that until we get but to Oda Ward. I just, oh man, I got to deal with that anxiety again, though. There won't be any. Like, dude, no, but this match, like, I don't think I, did, I don't think I prefaced this enough. During this match, I texted Alex. I said, "Brain empty, anxiety only," because I was freaking the fuck out. Because, like, like I was just like, "Okay, Goku and Death's probably gonna lose." That that's how I went into it. I was like, you know, Goku and Death's probably gonna lose. Maybe Saki loses. That'd be kind of interesting, I guess. Whatever. Um, and that was my my thought going into it. And then I started watching it. And Starlight Kid wasn't doing enough early on. And I was just like, oh no. They're gonna they're gonna do it. They're gonna the kid's gonna jump. And I was freaking out. Then somebody tweeted, um, hey guys, I don't think you you guys realize this. If Hannon loses and goes to Waitotai, Ringstar is gone. And I started freaking the fuck out. Like at that point, I was just like, I know Hannah's not gonna lose, but like what the fuck? Like, I can't do this. This is too much. I I have I have issues. I can't deal with this right now. Um, and yeah, just throughout the entire thing, I was just stressed beyond recognition. Um, and now at Odeward, I would not be surprised if Kid went to Oedotai. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Stars just died. Like, if they just had a fucking faction disbands match and Stars just fucking dies at this point. Like, I would not be surprised if that were to happen. I don't think it should happen, but who fucking knows, bro? Um... However, I do think Gokigan Death is probably going to become Gokigan Death once again. Considering she isn't really a member, she is their clown slave. Um, t- some like go back two years, like go back to when Jan existed, and say, "Oh yeah, in a couple years, Natsuko is going to have <laughs> is going to have Kariyoniyame as a slave, but she's a clown, and her her, her like she's kind of like the Joker." Um, but she doesn't want to be the Joker. Uh, we just live in a society. I don't know if you know about that, but you know, like, imagine going back and telling anybody that any of this is real. 
because I can't. I can't even like fathom that. This is such a weird timeline that we exist in, man. Um, I don't know, man. I, I ramble so much about the Awaito Tie Stars thing. Um, like every episode, it's always mm-hmm. like multiple minutes, and it never stops just because there's so much. So yeah, I'll, I'll stop there. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. Like. I don't know, like, I'm hesitant to even comment on the result because I, I know now that they're just running it back. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I think my initial thought was, oh, well, Stars loses, and that sucks, and Mayu goes into a match with Tam as a loser, but there is going to be no match with Tam now because she's going to be busy trying to win back Gokigan Death, who has basically become Konami's pet. Um, And yeah, that's pretty much it. Like, I think... I would have preferred the cop out if Stars just being like, "Yeah, no, we're not taking anybody to uh, Stars losing Goki and, and then winning her back next month." The long term cop out. Because they did this with the, the the TCS thing as well. They were like, "Oh yeah, like here we are, and if they lose this match, it's over." And then they didn't die, and they were like, "Okay, yeah, but they're gonna die next time." <laughs> and it's like, why? dude, I forgot about that. That shit pissed me off. Like, I get you trying to oh, sell man. tickets, but it's just, you're going to ruin the fan buy-in. Stipulations. Keep doing this shit, you know, because, like, they're just, they're just doing it again. Like, they're just going right back to the same match to win Death back um, with my own kid on the line. And it's like, you, you just did this. Like, you could have just done this. I imagine that the stipulation is going to be a little bit more fleshed out. Um like I said, it'll probably be like stars disbands or they get Goki and Death back or something like insane. It's not disbands. Um, it's definitely like Mayu no, or but, Kid but goes. Like that's what that's. I said. don't. They'll probably revise it. That's my point. Is that because they usually do that? Like they usually like say something very broad or not broad at all, and then they're like, "Well, we actually meant this." So you know, like, so I wouldn't be surprised if they revise it in a way, um, to make it a bit more, you know revised but yeah as of right now they really just decided to do a long-term cop-out instead of simply a cop-out i imagine mayu challenges tam at some point later this year um mayu's not winning the you know cinderella at this point i i don't think so yeah um i don't know the match was good but i'm not on this whole you know at least the big three are still around at least you still have ring star you know not nothing too bad. Yeah, I think Stars like is still has a solid base, and I think they got Kiona back. It would be such a good faction, but like, I don't know, they uh, they need to start like stop stop messing with the factions. I guess just let them be for a oh, little yeah, bit. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, that's that match. Uh, there's obviously we could say a lot more, but there's really no point if they're gonna just like undo all of it. In, in May, and we'll have to wait for the the Stardom World upload to go up to see the the actual translations, because obviously there's probably some you know machine translation errors in the report that I'm I read. Um, so I'll have to wait and see what the official line is there. But it definitely looks like they're just running this back, and uh, Death will be back in Stars after Ota Ward. But with that. We're on to the next match, uh, the Wonder of Stardom Championship match. Uh, Tam Nakano defended against Natsupoi. Uh, this was a lot of people's match of the night. I don't know about you. Um, I'm sure you'll comment on that in a minute. But this was really, really good. I think Tam 
has finally found that level and that style that just works for her and is able to produce these great matches. Like she is going out there and just having these like really stiff, like really heated, really Man, intense fuck matches. motorcycles, bro. I thought that was like you getting ready to say something, but I didn't know it was motorcycles. No, that was just a loud ass fucking motorcycle outside. That's gas. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. All right. Um. But yeah, I think like the Tam is just having these like really heated, really aggressive, really stiff matches that involve just committing murder on each other, and it's it's really working for her. Like, um, she basically was like, right, well, Arisa Hushka did this really well, so I'm gonna do it really well, um, just without all the kicks, um, and yeah, like it's just obviously one of the things that plagued Tam for a while was that she was she was pretty inconsistent, but like she has settled on this this formula now that just really works for her and these matches are obviously stand out of these cards like there's just no other performer in stardom that's producing such like intense hate-filled stiff matches um and i'm really glad that her and her and poi were able to produce here like poi had one of her best matches that i've ever seen and like she really showed out and i think tam is just becoming one of the standout workers in stardom which i never ever ever thought i would say but she's finally just found what works for her and um yeah like they their decision to make her the white belt champion looks better every day because she really fits what that belt is about and uh, she really is standing out on each of these shows with her with her matches see i feel like i'm in bizarro land when it comes to this type of match. I enjoyed it. Let me preface that. I did really enjoy it. I thought that every beat they hit was well done. Um, and I don't think I had any, you know, particular, like, anything that particularly, like, stood out as bad or, you know, something that I didn't like. But what I will say is that coming from people who hate New Japan-style matches, I feel like Tam Nakano does New Japan-style matches with better emotion um, more than anything. Like, obviously, the emotion is what sells it, and obviously, that's what makes it better than any given New Japan match. Um, but it definitely does give me that vibe of, like, it's very much like a, you know, a, you know, super battle where it's, like, you know, it's all big time. Like, I don't know. It, it feels like that, but with more justified emotion. And that confuses me about how why people are so high on it. I personally enjoy it. Um it's not my match of the night. My match of the night's probably next up. But it's it's just one of those things that I I don't know if I'm the only one who sees it like that, but it it's a weird um parallel that I've sort of drawn. Obviously, any given Tam Nakao match is gonna be better than most, you know I don't even want to say his name. Most, you know, New Japan matches, but I could definitely see similarities in the two of them that people point out in why they don't like New Japan matches, if that makes sense. Well, I think for me, the the, the difference is that these New Japan matches, for the most part, will go 35 or so minutes, and they're just so extra, and they run out of ideas halfway through. Like, um, I don't think I ever mentioned it here, but I watched uh, Shingo Takagi and Hiroshi Tanahashi, and I was really enjoying myself, and then it got to the point where they were like, oh shit, we have to stall for time. So Tanahashi hit the, the dragon screw whip thing like 10 times and Kagi gave him 50 lariats. And it was like, okay, you're just, you know, you're just wasting time here. 
and then they did all these extra big counter sequences and that's not what Tam does she just gets down to it does the nitty-gritty and they kill each other and then they take it home you know like if this if she tried to wrestle this type of match and it went 35 minutes yeah sure I think I would be going right I'd be hand-waving it I'd be saying this is just too much this is ridiculous um, and if she was doing these insane counter sequences after being dead for 20 minutes I could understand that but she's not doing that you know what I mean she's just getting in she's doing the job and then they're they, they tie you know they take it home whereas with a lot of the New Japan matches they don't do that they're like oh well our story has reached a, a nice place we could finish this oh but we can't we have to stall for 15 more minutes you know yeah I I think that's fair um like I said, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good match. Um, one of my favorite, and like I said, I, I, I definitely can see your point of view. Um, it's not even that like that's that makes me dislike it, because I like a good New Japan match. Um, so it's not like a personal issue. It's just one of those things that's like, I am not as high on it as everybody else seems to be. Um, but that's besides the point. Let me get into the things that I did really like. Uh, Natsupoi pouring water on Tam's head and then Tam pouring water on Natsupoi's head is like my favorite trope in stardom um because you notice that they do it mo the only time they ever really do it is outside of you know kagetsu doing the you know um, water fountain thing is when it's an ex-friend um because i remember hazuki used to do it to momo uh natsuko used to do it to jungle and now tam did it to natsupoi and natsupoi did it to tam i think that it's really one of those weird like just like synchronicities in wrestling and specifically in stardom where they pour water on their opponent's head when they have this deep-seated, you know, um, friendship that turned into a, a, you know, rivalry in a way. And I really like that trope, even though it really did make it sort of funny that, like, fucking, what's it called? I lost my train of thought. It, it's really funny that, like, they were just, like, dripping water for the rest of the match, and it was just sort of, like, they could barely see out of their, you know, because of the hair and whatnot. Kind of funny, but I still think that was really good. Um, they then just beat the shit out of each other, and I appreciate that. Like I said, it, it was it was a good match. I I didn't mind it. Um, Tam won with the with the convoluted the Twilight Dream. Is it? I forget what it's called. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I can't remember. I think, the name. I think it's called the Twilight Dream. I think so. Um, or maybe the Violet Dream. No, it's the Twilight Dream. Okay, it's all right. Dream anything. But yeah, um, she didn't hit the violet screwdriver, which sort of, you know, that's sort of like my, that's sort of like the spot that I wait for nowadays <laughs> in TAM matches. So that's sort of unfortunate. Um, can't give me a Destiny's Hammer, can't even give me the violet screwdriver. TAM is in the mud, guys. Uh, <laughs> I'm joking, she's really good. Um, yeah, like I said, not as big on it as the timelines seem to be or as you seem to be, but I did enjoy it for what it was. That's fair. Um, I can, like... You know, I can see why people might not enjoy it as much as I would, but I just really liked the uh, the aggression that they showcased and just how they were like, right, let's just beat each other for a little bit, you know? Because, like, Poi was just slapping the shit out of her for a little bit, and then Tam did her uh, her spinning kick, and it just connected so flush, and I was like, all right, yeah, this, this is great. Like, I, I love this. Um, but, yeah, the... Um, it's it's weird and it, it's it's really cool though how like Tam has just run with it you know what I mean because obviously she had that match with uh, Julia 
uh, the 27 minute debacle that everybody was kind of like oh yeah these two suck and ever since then she's just been on a redemption tour uh, of having these really good matches that and she's really just found the style that works for her and I'm glad she has because you know I feel like she's somebody who could have just got by on her looks easily but she's taken it upon herself to really like give her all to wrestling and I really appreciate that like I mean she didn't have to do that she could get a big push in stardom by just doing all the press and looking the way she does um but instead she's out there just taking these mad bumps and letting people like smash like smack her in the face um and like in the julia match left her fucking face bumpy from how hard she was being hit like yeah just fair play to her um and she's having a really good white belt reign and she's really reminding a lot of people of what the white belt is really about like her reign right now feels a lot like the momo and uh Arisa Reigns where it was like this is something you know this is the kind of the work rate belt where we are delivering matches that nobody else can and we are just you know having these heated emotional battles which is kind of the whole point of the belt almost and it's one of those things about Josie wrestling that really sets it apart is that it's based in emotion at its core and I think you know Tam and her white belt reign are going to showcase that more than basically anyone else can. Sounds like you were just reading that one interview that she did like a couple days ago. That is true. You said exactly what she said. I, yeah. That is true. Um, but I also feel like that has been explained <laughs> as the, the rationale of the white belt existing for a while now. It's meant like that was the whole point of it was that it was like it's re to represent like the true beating heart of stardom which is why they gave it to aikawa first where nanai was obviously the 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 better all-around wrestler so she got the world title and she had her matches but then aikawa was just having these spirited battles for the white belt that really made her and that belt stand out and ever since then that's kind of been the spirit of the title and i think that's a really cool way to look at the belt instead of it just being like Oh, this is the secondary belt there. Oh, it's the one B or oh, it's the it's like the, the IWGP Intercontinental title. It is its own thing that represents its own style of wrestling almost. And I don't know, I just really like it. I think it's really cool. And I think Tam has really brought that back to the forefront after Julia kind of I mean, Julia didn't wreck it all, but she definitely had like It felt like she wasn't as Tam said in her interview, she dyed it in her own color mm -hmm. um more so than she lived up to the expectations of the title um whereas tam wants to do both which is what every wrestler yeah. sort of wants to do but that's besides the point um tam is still an asshole in a video game <laughs> and yeah okay <laughs> that's right um that's the certain comment <laughs> see no because i've realized that like um when I attack somebody's, like, wrestling character, I don't want anybody to misconceive it as I'm attacking them as a person. So I, um, I do what the great Hassan Piker did when he had to sort his way out of out of an icky situation and simply say that I meant in a video game. I did not mean in real life. I meant in a video game. So right. that, that's that's why I, I discern that. Um, Tam Nakano is a horrible person in a video game. All right, okay. I don't, yeah, I suppose, yeah, you have a point, because her post-match problem was like, do you still hate me? And Poi was like, yes, and she was like, good, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Oh man. Alright. Um <laughs> I'm really interested to talk about this next match with you. Uh the World of Stardom Championship match. Uh Tammy Hoshishta defended against B Priestley. Uh did you say this was your match of the night? Yeah. I would like to hear you talk about this one. Take it away. I'm very interested to hear what you have to um, say. This is weird. Um this is the last time I'm ever gonna talk about a B Priestley match. That's weird. Yeah. Like I've I've avoided I've avoided talking about so many of her matches that now it's like at least she went out on a bang, you know what I mean? Um this was a really good match in my opinion. Um there was a lot of big shit in the beginning, and I'm always cool with big shit. And then there was a lot of it felt very important near the end. Like you said, it was going to be a matter of everybody wants B to lose this match and everybody wants Utami to win. So watching it live is going to give a different type of um a different type of emotion because you are actively rooting for someone and rooting against someone. And that definitely did play into it. It was a really good match. Um, One thing that I do have to share on B about is that B hit a shit ton of like high impact, you know, fucking apron moves out to the floor moves, a bunch of fucking neck moves, like insane stuff. Utami tried to hit one and B boshed it completely. Um, It was the um, Black Mephesto on the apron and B just like sort of like turned out of it and just barely like didn't bump and I was just like okay you do you I guess um but other than that I thought it was a really 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 good match um surprisingly you texted me and said if I could put money on this Utami is gonna kick out of the Queen's Landing and then win the match and I was like, I don't know if she's going to kick out of the Queen's Landing. And then she kicked out of the Queen's Landing. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty insane. Um, first time anybody has ever kicked out of that move ever, because obviously B invented it, and it has <laughs> never been seen anywhere else. Um, first time ever anybody, period, in the history of professional wrestling, anybody's ever pick, kicked out of the arm trap um, electric chair. So, yeah, that's that's pretty big. Um, you know, just, you know, just saying. And, yeah, I I don't know. This is hard to talk about because it's like during it, I really enjoyed it. And then after it, I was like, oh, so that was like really fucking important. Like that was like a that was like a fucking moment type of thing. So now it's like it was a great match that was, you know, sort of amped up when you find out what happened afterwards. And I don't know. At one point, B hit Utami with a B driver and Utami just didn't talk like she didn't she like it mm-hmm. like she just was dropped on her head like she did her head was fucking flat it did not you know go in she didn't land on her neck she landed on her fucking head and i was like i think she's dead um i think that she is no longer alive because that she broke her neck um luckily she didn't and yeah uh utami also hit a cutter and commentary called it an rko because um fuck will osprey fuck tamatanga fuck carl anderson Fuck Johnny Ace. That's the RKO. <laughs> <laughs> the only the only person who uses a cutter that's never been to Japan. That's what they call it. Like that's fucking hilarious. But yeah, um, I don't know. It's it's weird. I I really enjoyed it. But yeah. Yeah, I think I've 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 held a belief for a while that while you know B Priestley can be average as hell, she can when she's in there with the right opponent, have a good match. I mean, her and Kagetsu had good matches. Uh, her and Momo had good matches. And her and Utami work really well together. And I think, you know, 
they did a good job of working around the usual B formula because they they cut into her heat segment with the, all the stuff on the outside, like the you know the double stomp on the table and stuff like that. So then when they were ready to get down to the action, it, you know, you weren't bored to death like you usually are with a B Priestley match. Um, and from there, you know, I've always thought B Priestley can do some cool shit. She has some really cool moves. All of them are stolen, yeah, but I mean, they're still cool. And, you know, her new Tammy just did cool shit. And, you know, uh, they, they really used their time well. Like, they just maximized the 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 time they had and delivered a, a really good match and i think the only thing that held it down for me was obviously as i said i i said it to you beforehand i was like b is or utami is going to kick out of the queen's landing and that was kind of the the big spot of the the match and when you know Tammy's going to kick out it takes away from it a little bit and that's my only criti- criticism but otherwise, like, they just threw everything they had at each other. Um, like, Utami was laying in even her most simple moves. Like, she, you know, even just her lariats and stuff like that were just, they were hitting. Like, she was laying those in. And uh, B was really taking it. And, you know, I, th- I think, so there were some moments where B messed up or where she kind of spammed the, the, the knees a bit too much. And I think that will detract from this match. And it's why... I think it's a really, really good match. I don't think it's a great match, and I don't think it's better than Poi versus Tam or even Mina versus Momo, but it was still really, really good. And, you know, B really showed, you know, that she can produce these good matches when she wants to. Um, And, you know, fair play to her for, I assume she was like, look, Utami, I just wanted you to lay it in because Utami was just beating her up, man. And, uh, yeah, that was the match. It was, you know, I think if I hadn't seen right through the Queen's Landing spot, it probably would have been a bit better because obviously that was like the crux of the match was that, oh shit, will she hit it? Will she not? You know, will Utami kick out? Um, but that's kind of just because that's Utami's big match formula. She always kicks out of the, the big finisher. Um, that's something that, that I'm noticing and it's something that I hope she strays from because if she just does it in every match, you just come to expect it, and it stops being a big spot. Um, but yeah, that's that's my thoughts on the match. Like I, I thought it was really good. Um, it wasn't my match of the night, but I can totally see why people do think it was great, because, I mean, they both just threw everything they had at each other, and they worked around the usual kind of B-Heat segment really well, um, which will always help her matches. As you said... I think it... Let me Let me get one last point and i think it's once again a matter of expectations um i got exactly what i expected uh not to play versus tam nakano um and that was a good match i expected them to have a good match um i got more than i expected out of ba versus utami i enjoyed it a lot more than i expected um even for like the little you know bits and pieces that i didn't like i still felt like that like they brought it back and they really um impressed me overall and it was more than i was expecting to enjoy it um so that's that's definitely plays into it because i feel like i always underestimate um a b Priestley match or even sometimes you know underestimating um utami's matches is very common so it's it's one of those things that you know it's probably just a matter of my expectations were low and then they were exceeded by that and then the other matches i was expecting to be at least pretty solid and they were all 
you know pretty solid so it, it was it, that might be that might play into it but yeah um go on sorry yeah so oh, and utami won with the with the big bomb uh that i always forget the name of i think it's like a bt bomb. bt bomb yeah yeah she folded her in half with that she was just like i'm gonna oh, yeah, throw you through the mat it was it was great um the hijack bomb maybe is that what it's called they call i feel like commentary called it the hijack bomb mm-hmm. um but every time it's called like on the internet by you know fucking english account or by anybody it's bt bomb so i don't know i don't know they also called called the cutter the rko when it was unfortunately a homage to bill so mm. you know it's it, commentary is not necessarily the you know that's fair um so yeah, I think um obviously the the major thing was that after the match, uh B got the mic and she was being like uncharacteristically nice to Tammy and she called Momo Watanabe who was on commentary for the match into the ring and she was like, Oh, you know, I've been saying for so long that, you know, Momo, you're you're stupid, you're, you know, the number one idiot and stuff like that. Um, but maybe you're not an idiot, you're my best friend and uh Utami, you were the strongest wrestler. Um, and I remember texting you because she was like, she was being so nice and she was tearing up and I was like, man, is she retiring? And then not like a couple seconds after she was like, oh, like this is my last match in stardom. Goodbye, Japan. So, you know, B. So she is retiring. Um, she's, <laughs> she's going to this really nice retirement home. It's called um, NXT UK. It's, it's, it's a real nice place. I mean, there's a lot of nonsense there. There's a you know some sexual harassers but it, it's 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 calm you get paid you know it, it's it's a nice retirement home it, it's pretty cool yeah so that's where she's going yeah so she's she... retiring um i will miss her <laughs> okay kind of in a way you know in a roundabout way but yeah <laughs> go ahead sorry yeah um so yeah she's she's leaving stardom um and i think that's something that's gonna have a bigger impact than we probably foresee because obviously she was best booked member of a way to tie and now they're gonna need to elevate somebody into her role which i think is really interesting i think it puts her booking in the last couple of months into perspective because ever since she came back she's basically been a transitional champion who's put people over you know they used her to put siri over then uh she put uh utami over here and she put Cosmic Games was over. Trying to find the people that she put over. <laughs> no, but you know, because she was doing these transitional title reigns to to get the belts to who they're pushing, and I think that made a lot more sense now that we know she's leaving. You know, because obviously her and Konami won the tag belts, and then they dropped oh, them to Mike and Hameka. Yeah, they they put them over. Yeah. Yeah, and they, you know, she had the artist belts, and then they lost them to Cosmic Angels, who are obviously getting a push now. Uh, she won the SWI title and then dropped it to Siri, and obviously they were, they're pushing Siri now. So I think you know their use of her makes a lot more sense now, knowing that you know she's 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 leaving the company. Um, and as you said, it's it's you will kind of miss her because I mean she's just such a constant presence. You know what I mean? Like she's been a presence in Stardom for as long as I can remember, and she's just abruptly gone. And it's like, I saw other people talking about this, like people I really respect. And they were like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to miss her too. And I was like, I, I get it, you know, because as I said, she's just been this consistent presence. And now she's just gone with, with such little warning. And she had that moment with, you know, Momo and Itami where you could tell how much they 
deeply cared for her and I think it's it was sad to see Momo just in tears you know over her friend leaving so it's definitely like a a weird feeling like when she announced that and it took me a long time to process it like I, I don't think I still have because we talked about it last night and it's not something we should take to the air because uh it's such a nuanced conversation that only we will understand because we obviously know each other very well um but like our thoughts on her and this whole situation are just so convoluted because it's like you you will kind of miss her she's had such a presence but also it's like you're kind of glad she's gone because she you know did all of those bad things Uh, yeah (laughs) yeah i don't know it's 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 one of those things where it's like there's a lot of different angles to look at because it's like in a way i haven't enjoyed most of her matches over the past six months or whatever but in another way she was the world champion during my favorite point in any company ever mm-hmm. you know what i mean like that's that's not something that you could really take away from her um even if you don't like her uh now or even if you don't like her as a person like it's it's hard to you know separate her from stardom when stardom peaked you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so in that way it's one of those things where it's like it's weird that she's just not going to be there anymore um and similarly you see everybody on twitter you see um i mean the wrestlers not the fans because jesus christ um but you you see all the wrestlers and it's like they'll they're they're saying these really really nice things and it's like they're saying um I pray that I will see you again, or I, I, you know, one day we will wrestle again, and there is no, there's no, there, there's nothing that can stop me from wrestling again with you. And I'm just like, these people genuinely care about her. Like, see, like, obviously that, that sounds, but it's just one of those things that's like, any departure hurts when there's a roster that is this close, or at least was this close um you know when b was prominent that it it kind of it does affect you even if you are on the outside looking in even if you are a fan even if you don't like b as a wrestler as a person however you don't however you view her it feels a certain weird like way inside like you said we we had extensive conversation about the nuance of the situation but it's hard it's it's a real hard thing to wrap your head around um it's also weird because I don't have a, you know, I don't have a bit anymore. You know, <laughs> my bit was always shitting on the Black Widows, you know, getting upset when B does, you know, like I don't have that anymore. And that's going to feel weird, you know, because like I'm one, I'm a person who hates change and I've always hated change. Um, and I'm just not good with change in general. And this is one of those cases where it's like, I'm not upset that she's leaving i'm not like it's not like she'll it's not like every single match that she's had i've loved or you know i look forward to every single b Priestley match but just one of those things that changes and it doesn't feel like it should you know what i mean i don't know i'm rambling i always ramble when there's shit like this that happens but it's just a weird feeling um and it's another loss from the best generation of stardom so that kind of hurts too yeah, that um, like the the two of the three people that held the world title that year are just not there anymore. Oh, I think didn't Tony hold it early that year as well, or no, she didn't know. No, I, so yeah, it was yeah, Kagetsu. Twenty nineteen was it, yeah, 
Yeah, Kagetsu and B and Mayu. Yes, like two of those three just aren't in stardom anymore. Which is, and it's only like two years ago as well. Like and then, it's wild. And then Arisa's not there, who mm-hmm. was the you know other big champ. It's just it's weird, man. It it is a weird feeling because it was so recent, you know. Like, and obviously we we get into the nostalgia of you know prime stardom you know like 2019 stardom we get into that nostalgia all the time i'm always thinking about it i'm always talking about it but like it seems like it was just so recent that all these things were not like we're we're uh, i don't know it's it's a weird feeling and that on top of what happened on the new japan side really made it hard to um continue with the main event and we haven't talked about it yet but i think this match should have been the main event by the way um b versus tommy should have been the main event very clearly now mm-hmm. um because like they've treated b very 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 well and you would think that they would give her a decent send-off like that you know what i mean like like a main event send-off in a match that should effectively be a main event match like i don't know it, it's weird that they didn't do that um but unless you have any more thoughts about the b utami situation or um, we can move on. Yeah, I just want to reiterate that um, I I also I agree that um this should have been the main event in hindsight. Like there was, you kind of sabotaged the main event because you had that very emotional moment of B leaving and like hugging, you know, Momo and Itami while they're both you know obviously beat up about it, um, and that's like big news to process. Like as I could tell just from when you were talking, like you still just don't have the ability to put thoughts to to how you feel about b like the b thing and so you know when you're processing that and you have to watch a match um as well as you know what happened in new japan it was definitely a lot and i think they could have just benefited from having this go on in the main event and having you know these final moments be the the main event of the show and getting her send off you know but it wasn't uh the main event was the Goddess of Stardom Championship match. Uh, Julia and Siri are the new tag team champions. They beat Micah and Himeka. Um, this is one of the other matches that I have to rewatch because there was so much happening. Like just as these four were hitting the ring, I think the news broke that that Will Osprey had won the the IWGP World Heavyweight Title, and you know between him winning that belt, um. B's, you know, B leaving, um, and just other news bits that were happening around wrestling at the mo- at that moment in time. It was so hard to focus on this match, and I felt bad for the four of them because they delivered, from what I can remember, like a really good match. Like it, it felt like there was just every time I focused, there was something going on. It was all action, but I still just couldn't digest it at all. And I don't know if you had that same problem, but it was like. I understand this is a really good match, but my brain is just elsewhere. It's not able to focus on this, you know? It was 27 minutes, man. I do not want to go back and watch it. Like, I agree with you that that probably was a lot better than I my focus could have given it. Because I, I was, we were, I don't know, it was like 20 minutes in and I had no notes down. I was just like, I don't know what to do. Because uh, <laughs> it's just like, like, things were happening, but I didn't really like, yeah, it was, it was, a lot um the match again i don't really i feel like it probably would have been better if it was you know 
not in the main event for one, and it went 16 minutes. You know what I mean? And if the correct team won. I feel like I feel like this match, it probably was good in terms of like bell to bell like wrestling, but everything surrounding it and everything about it and how it turned out and how long it went, excuse me. I just it's no. You know what I mean? Like it, it just ain't it, I guess. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't have an issue with the length at the moment. Obviously if they fill the twenty seven minutes well then they fill it well. Um, based on some of the tweets I have seen, they did fill the time really well, but that's obviously up to me to decide on a rewatch. Um, I do think that uh, the the wrong... I don't know if I want to say the wrong team won, because I think Julia and Siri... I do. And, like, if you take yourself away from the story that we had all head headcanoned, them winning and Julia, you know going off on a side quest here to, to have a tag title reign as they kind of rebuild her up. Um, it's a good diversion, and it's something that after after the, the Budokan show, I would have been like, oh yeah, sure, like her and Siri winning the tag belts next makes sense. Um, and, you know, Mike and Himeka, they, you know, they don't lose anything, because obviously they, you know, they won the belts and they got to defend them at the Budokan, and they lost them in a competitive main event to their faction leaders basically um and you know i just think that the obviously i had got super into the story of julia you know humbling herself and you know starting over and whatever and all the little bits that they've done around that but and obviously it's disappointing that they've just rushed through that to have her win the main event of uh (laughs) the yokohama budokan like a month after she got her head shaved but Maybe that's just not the story that they ever really wanted to tell, and it was just us headcanoning it a bit too much, which is obviously possible. Um, and yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, Siri was the one that got the win anyway, so I think they still, they still haven't like given Julia her full mojo back, and it's Siri There's that's a... clearly the the leader of the team, you know. Um, yeah. Um. There's a point of interest that you're going to want to hit on pretty soon, but I want to get to this before I get to that. Um, I think my bigger issue with Jumbo and Micah losing is that they are the tag team. And I know that Julie and Shuri are also a tag team and are also, you know, treated as such a lot more now than they were even, you know, a couple of weeks ago. But I feel like stardom, I just want stardom's tag division to be as good as I know it can be. You know what I mean? Cause it's like that's that's the thing is that I think that Joshi tag is probably the best like combination of professional wrestling in the world is Joshi wrestling and Lance in the tag team form. Uh, so I think I and I prefer watching tag team matches that have Jumbo and Micah to watching tag team matches that have Julian Shuri. I just prefer them as a tag team. Um, just like I probably prefer Shuri singles matches to Micah singles matches, just because I prefer Shuri as a singles wrestler in comparison to Micah. Um. So it's one of those things that's like, I want this tag division to be good, and I want to enjoy the tag matches. I want the tag matches to matter in and of themselves and not just for a means to an end. And, you know, you look at it like back in the day, not even back in the day, but, you know, back in like December, um, they were doing a bunch of like special special tag matches, but they weren't tag matches. They were just two singles matches. And that was all of the tag matches that they they would have at that point. And I'm just like, 
okay, but like you have really good tag matches. That tag league was really good. You know, like you guys have great tag teams that can just be tag teams, do good double team maneuvers, do whatever, and they can have good matches. So focus on that instead of focusing on two singles wrestlers who are getting pushed as singles wrestlers that now have the, the tag belts, if that makes sense. And I think my, my, you know, issues were sort of expanded upon when Shuri challenged Utami immediately after, and it sort of took away from the importance of the tag belts. And obviously I read into things all the time. This is one of those cases and I can recognize that, but it's one of those things that's just like, I wish that Jumbo and Micah could just one, um, you know, pin Julia and then Shuri challenges Utami whenever, like, you know, like, like if, if Julia got pinned, I, perfect world, this match would have gone second to last. Um, Julia would have gotten pinned and then Shuri challenges Utami mm-hmm. after the match, after the uh, world title match, even though that was sort of takeaway from B moment. But still, you, I think you get what I mean. I, I feel like this entire situation, I'm just not a big fan of it just because of the schematics of it. I prefer Jumbo and Micah to Julia and Shuri in that role. I think you get so hung up on this thing with tag belts where they all you almost feel like they have to be a separate entity all altogether and I don't understand that. Like like Momo was tag champion and white belt champion at the same time, wasn't she? And that didn't take away from the and tag I belts. Think that like they were just one hundred percent did though. But it didn't. Like they were still prestigious and they were on a big star and I, you know, I don't think you need a set division of like five teams who are always teaming together. I think I they don't see anything wrong with two single dressers going, Hey, like we, we work really well together, let's go chase them tag belts. You know, I think I think it needs to be a mix of both. And I feel like it, it I feel like New Japan and Stardom and sorry to bring up New Japan again, I feel like they're on two separate side like complete polarized in terms of how or not completely polarized. But New Japan does it where it's like Tamatonga will never win a singles championship because he is a tag team wrestler. Um, obviously, Zach and Taichi are different cases, but you get what I mean. That's like these tag team guys are very, very much tag teams, and they are strictly tag teams for the most part, and that is where they lie. Whereas um, on the other side of it, it's like you know, there's no such thing as a tag team. It's just two people who team up and they win belts, and that's whatever. And I think the perfect spot, obviously, as with everything, is in the middle. Um, and sometimes I feel like stardom shifts to that, like, oh, it's just basically a bunch of singles people who sometimes team together and, and win tag belts. Um, and I would want it to be more towards the middle, where it's like there is a certain level of definition in the tag division. Um, but at the same time, I get what you mean, that it's like there is more to it than that. You bring up the Momo and Utami reign, and... The reason why I, I disagree with you is because I remember that reign and they defended the title twice on their like six, seven month reign. Maybe six, seven was a lot longer than it actually was. But they defended the title like a couple times because Mama was doing other things every single show. And they would defend the title a day before her defense against Natsuko and they would defend the title against Natsuko and Jungle. And they would defend the title against, you know, um, who was it? Was it B and Chardonnay? And then be, I don't know, like, but you get what I mean that it felt like the tag belt was used as like, oh, well, this is like a preview of my singles match. And while their tag matches were good, it felt like the tag belts just didn't matter as much as they were a a preview of what's to come in the singles match coming up. And I'm not a big fan of that. 
but I think you're also just projecting there on Twist Artem that wouldn't do that anymore. Like they have so many big shows and everything is so spaced out now that I think somebody could be tag team champion and hold a singles belt and they would have a tag title match on this Corkin, then they defend their single belt at this big venue, then they defend their single belt at this Corkin, and then they defend the tag belts at this big show. Like stardom has spread that out so much that you can have people do both, you know what I mean? And I, I don't, you know, I don't, I, I understand that you're like, oh, well, you know, Momo and Tami did this, but I feel like the, there's been a lot of reigns where people just didn't defend the tag belts a lot. Like, didn't Hana and Kigetsu hold them for like 400 days and defended them like a handful of times? Yes, that's true. Yeah. So, um... like, it just depends on how they treat the division. It doesn't really matter if it's like teams. Or if it's just two well, people. Well, in that case, treat the division better. But they do. Boom. It, it main evented the show. It, it main evented its own show on the 30th of January, too. Like, it's, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. For somebody who's a big AJW fan, I'm surprised that you're so, like, into this. Because AJW would just be like, right, you two, you're, you're tag champions now. <laughs> like. But I, I feel like I feel like the tag belts, while they were all over the place with who won them, I felt like tag team wrestling was 100% on an equal playing field as singles wrestling. Maybe not 100% on the single same playing field, but tag team wrestling felt like it was as important as singles wrestling. And I think that was just during the time, you know, because like in the early 90s, that was true for most wrestling was that tag team wrestling was just as important as singles wrestling. And now in this day and age, it's widely regarded as not. And I feel like it's not even an issue with stardom as much as it's an issue with wrestling at a wider scale that like uh, to treat a tag team championship as close to the level of a world championship is just not a thing anymore. Um, and maybe that's just an issue that I have with wrestling nowadays more so than it is that I have with stardom in particular, if that makes sense kind of get it but i also feel like the the reason that it was on an even playing field in ajw was because they weren't afraid to have their biggest stars wrestle for the tag belts which is something that you don't think stardom should do um you know like they had whoever they wanted challenge for the tag belts back then and that made them feel prestigious because azra kong could lose the 3d way title to dynamite kanzai and then next week she'd be you know, three-way tag champion with fucking Takako Inoue or whoever. Like, that's why it felt big and on an evil playing field. What you want, though, is complete separation, where it's like, oh, well, you know, Siri's world champion, she can't be tag champion as well. Like, there's nothing wrong with Siri being like, well, I'm both, and they both, both of these titles are prestigious. Well, no, I, I don't want, I don't want that complete separation. I just want more of a um, emphasis on it, which is it's hard to say that while we are talking about this main event tag team championship match that there isn't an emphasis on it enough but I feel like playing to the strengths of your wrestlers in that Jumbo and Micah are a great tag team, Julia's a good singles wrestler, Shuri's a good singles wrestler and they're a good tag team, I feel like I would prefer Jumbo and Micah to be tag team champions and to have that division to, you know, like do their own thing because now it's like it's another situation of it's the same reason why I want Momoas to be a tag team and to start doing things more often. Cause what else are they doing? Like what's Jumbo and Micah going to do as singles wrestlers without a certain level of division 
for a tag team situation. You know what I mean? Like, there's only a tag division during the tag league. And other than that, it's just tag team champions just sort of exist. And then there's a bunch of singles wrestlers who might decide to... I don't know. I'm, I'm rambling. We are... This is a really... Whatever, man. I concede. I just feel like you're trying to make yourself unhappy a little bit. Because you're like, oh, the tag belts mean nothing now. And it's like, well... Well, I don't, I don't think so, yeah. you know? They're still, like, they just main evented the show, and, uh, you know, they were a big part of this match, and obviously Julia and Siri are I think, proud to have them and going to defend them. I, I think it comes down to, I want to see MK Sisters versus Jumbo and Micah more than I want to see MK Sisters versus Julia and Sherry. Um, whereas I would I would love to see Mayu versus Julia, or Mayu versus Sherry, or Starlight Kid versus Julia, or Starlight Kid versus Sherry. Um, I just prefer Julia and Sherry as singles wrestlers overall, and I prefer Jumbo and Micah as tag team wrestlers overall. So I think that the better tag team should be the tag team champions. Forehead. Okay. Well, you could have put it that way the first time instead of how you tried to do it, which is like, well, no, no, they don't care about the tag Shut belts. up. I can understand. Shut up. <laughs> I never said that. I never said that. Yes, I did. might have said that, but I don't think I did. I don't think I did. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Fake news, brother. Okay. Um, yeah, you kind of gave the game away there that um, Siri challenged uh, Utami to a title match mm. after. You didn't even mention fucking Julia hit the fucking Northern Lights bomb, brother. Yeah, you see, I got so caught He's... up in, in what you were talking about. Um, yeah, the so basically on, what was it, on March 3rd, Akira Hokuto is like, oh, Julia, dangerous queen, yeah. And then a month later, Julia hits the, the Northern Lights bomb, which is uh, cool, uh, I guess. Yeah, it's weird because she also used the um, dangerous driver, you know, the backdrop suplex, yeah. um, to win the other match that she won, the match against death. So it's like, is she just saying, oh, yeah, I'm I'm going to do some, like, you know, dangerous moves for no fucking like not for no reason but just like she's just like oh yeah i'm cool now i am now going to do a bunch of moves that will break your fucking neck and i mean i'm down with it mm -hmm. but yeah it's a cool little thing that i imagine will play into something later down the line like that'll probably be like how she wins the wins something i don't know bro mm. um yeah but the we we, we knew that um Shiri was kind of next in line for for Utami. They gave the they gave that away uh, after their tag match recently when they had the the head to head. Um, I assume they're gonna hold off on that match until Ota Ward. So that'll be your Ota Ward main event, uh, which is gonna be a pretty good match. Obviously, Utami and Shiri work really well together. Um, I, I guess. Shiri... Do you know what they said after the match? Because I felt like it was a long exchange. For just like, oh, I want the belt. Um, let's see. There, there, there was a lot. Um, yeah, there, there was a lot. Shuri was just like, ah, yes, we're champions. I'm crazy, uh, or something like that. And then, uh, sounds like Shuri. Yeah, Shuri was like, oh, red, red belt champion. I've been waiting for you. And Shuri said, congratulations. And yeah, just there's a lot. But so it's just going to be a, a straight singles for the world title. Because for a second, it sounded like she was going to do the SW, like she was going to do a double title match. Because that, like, I, obviously, I, I don't, like, you know, might have been hearing things, but it sounded like she brought up the SWA title, mm -hmm. and it sounded like she was, like, putting it on a certain 
Maybe maybe she was just saying I am the SWA champion because who knows I'm not good at. See, you know. oh she 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 said that uh, I'm the SWA champion and I took it from B, which uh, obviously because oh, just beat B. See, yeah. She also actually yeah. So Utami said if you want to challenge for this belt so much, then uh, the Cinderella tournament starts next week. Please win the tournament and earn your right to challenge. So um, I guess Shuri's winning Cinderella. <laughs> just... I don't know. Well, I, I mean, feel like will probably happen. Utami just basically said it. <laughs> you have to win Cinderella to 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 face me. So. But what what will probably happen is, well, actually, that could just happen forehead. But what could happen is that they end up all meeting in the Cinderella tournament, and like Shuri, uh, like it's a dub, it's a fucking draw, and then it's like, oh well, I just drew with the world champion. And gave me a fucking match, boy. You know, like that that could happen. I don't see them like I don't want to say it's a waste, but I feel like this is how every single championship match has happened. Is somebody comes out after at the main event, like after the main event, and be like, "I want the world championship," and that's how every single world championship match has happened since these big matches have been happening for fucking ever, actually. So it's sort of weird that like they would do that, and then it's like, "Nah, we're gonna build a whole tournament around this before you get to do that." Um. So I don't know. I feel like that's a bit weird, but they might, you know. That would kind of suck, though, if like the Cinderella tournament was simply for Shuri to beat everybody, and it's no Why real would that like suck. That's the whole point of the tournament is to, to no because the, over. The, the point of the tournament. Well, like that's not my man. You're always <laughs> you're fighting me today. You're really fighting me today. No, my my point is that like the intrigue would be sort of given away if it's just oh I challenge for the championship. And I'm just going to prove that I am a good challenger by winning a tournament. Whereas, like, I don't know, some like Micah winning and challenging Tam would be like more interesting to me. Not even Micah, like anybody winning and challenging Tam, because I don't know who Tam's next challenger is. That's the point. You know what I mean? Whereas Shuri is a fair challenger for Utami. Everybody knows that she should be challenging Utami. So give a you know, give this spot for somebody else to challenge Tam, because Tam doesn't have an immediate lineup for somebody who's next, and we know who's next. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Well, how, do you think this is possible? Um, there's a Corkin show on the 10th of May, I believe. Do you think it's possible that somebody else wins Cinderella, challenges Utami there, and then Utami and Siri is the Ota Ward match? It's possible. Mm. Um, I imagine... They want to keep Cinderella as the white belt, though, because that's how they've been doing it for years now. You know, yeah. like, obviously it's not. That's just sort of how it lines up. But, mm -hmm. like, you know, since fucking, what was it? Since Momo was champion, it's always been five star is for the red belt um, and fucking white belt is Cinderella. The only time that wasn't, well, the, fr the last time it wasn't was when Mayu won the five star and challenged Momo. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, there's there's flexibility what? there. Three, four years now. Uh, yeah, my year in 2018, I think. Damn, I've been watching this shit for too long. Yeah. <laughs> um, Fucking three years now. <laughs> um, I suppose I want to ask, uh, what are you, what were your thoughts on the show as a whole? It was a lot. Mm -hmm. Like, like I said, this mixed with the horrible new japan stuff um mixed with the reaction to this 
and mixed with the reaction to the horrible New Japan stuff, just really, like, I enjoyed a lot of the show, but afterwards, I was like, I don't think I want to watch wrestling for a while. Like, like I was like, from annoying fans to annoying booking to atrocious booking to, like, it, it was very exhausting, like I said at the, at the start of the episode. But I will say that it was more good than it was bad. Um, was it the best pay-per-view that they had? No. Um, was it the worst? Also, no, because Sendai exists. And fuck Sendai. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I think um, I probably liked it overall more than you. I thought it was a really good show. And uh, it. I had a lot of fears about these pay-per-views after, um, after Osaka. When I was kind of like, ah, so they're just going to go to these uh, big shows and do all these mad 30-minute draws and use all their talent poorly. But uh, they've, they've really just made these uh, big shows some of their best because they, they've adjusted and, you know, they, they've made the shows a lot better. And, uh, you know, I really liked it. I, since I'm not a fan of New Japan, I didn't, thankfully, give too much of a shit about Will Ospreay. Um, winning the thing, I just liked snarky tweets, and that was a fun time. Um, so yeah, I don't, you know, I don't hate wrestling like you do, but I, I did really like this stardom card, and uh, I was excited to talk about it because uh, I feel like we had, we we talked a lot today. <laughs> uh, we had a lot to yes. to get out because it's just it was such an interesting show with a lot happening, as you said, and uh, obviously a lot of it is going to play into what happens next, which is the Cinderella tournament, which we will have to preview in a few days' time, and I genuinely have no idea who's winning, which is a first, because um, I, I... And that's what I mean, is that I love tournaments when you don't know who's winning. Um, and even though these aren't going to be live, and that sort of sucks, um, they really should be live. Mm-hmm. Let me preface that. You know, single elimination tournaments have to be live. I'm sorry, like, with that, like, that sort of, like, defeats the entire purpose for me personally. Um, but that's besides the point. I feel like if Shuri just wins, it'll be one of those things where it's like, I mean, that was fun, I guess. But, like, I was really interested in, like, the endless possibilities considering, like, they're doing a pretty decent job of keeping people on a certain, um, stature right so it's like i can name maybe like six people who conceivably could not win this tournament you know what i mean mm-hmm. they're in the tournament and that's out of 20 like that's a lot you know what i mean like six people is not that mi- like having 14 theoretical possibilities even though some of them are very unlikely is pretty fucking huge um and that's just a random number i didn't count it out but <laughs> so that's a really interesting aspect of it in comparison to like last year when it was like Oh, so Julia's just gonna win this. Yeah. And then Julia won it. You know. So I think or you know, two years ago it was the same way with Arisa. Mm-hmm. Where it's like everybody was like, Oh yeah, like because Arisa had like two singles matches up to that point. And everybody was like, Yeah, I guess she's okay. And then she had a killer fucking tournament. She won the entire thing out of nowhere. I was the only person who predicted that correctly out of anybody that I knew at that point. Um, I was the only person that predicted Arisa. And then she had one of the greatest tower reigns of all time. So it's like I love tournaments that are a bit unexpected. Um, so that's why I say that I hope Shuri doesn't win it. Not because I don't like Shuri, just because, like you said, it's very, very much up in the air for who can win. Um, we do plan on previewing that as soon as the 
brackets come out if they come out because who knows man i thought they were going to come out during that promo package at the show but who knows now i guess they they couldn't because uh b was still in that package and uh they would have been announcing a match that they couldn't go through with so yeah i don't know but i mean it's in like it's in a week i know you know what i mean like it's not it's not that far away i feel like they really need to they do that a lot where it's like they're very last minute about the weirdest things it's like you couldn't have get but then they're fucking like oh yeah in a year and a half we're gonna do this one show it's like i don't care like just tell me what's happening in eight days please yeah. like <laughs> can you please do something? oh you see it's it's corkin and they know that just by announcing the names and the, the tournament that they'll draw so they're probably not worried that's true um but yeah hopefully that comes out soon I think Raka is in the tournament now because she, her, and Hanan were announced as alternates, and uh, with B out, I assume that means Raka goes in, um, which would be pretty chill. Uh, we'll have to wait and see though what the official word is, because I, I genuinely one hundred percent cannot remember if B was actually in, <laughs> in the tournament or not. Um, I, feel, I like, feel like she was. Yeah, I feel like people would have noticed if she wasn't in it, but uh, I can just double check. Um, but yeah, as far as I was aware, the um. The alternates were Hanan and Raka, and I think with uh, Raka being in a way to tie, and that yeah, but but now Destin a way to tie too. So, so it's like a way to tie has like seven members in the in the fucking tournament. Well, everybody has has all of their members in. So, well, yeah, but but a way to tie is now whatever. Man, why are you fighting me? You fight me so much today. Like you're just like that are wrong. It's not my fault. But all way to tie is a shit ton of people, and stars is like three. And yeah, because it would make sense. It would, it would make sense to give Hannon that spot. Plus, Hannon just pinned Ruka, so it's like you know. I guess. Then again, Ruka just pinned Ida, mm-hmm. so it's like nothing matters. We'll have to wait and see. <laughs> my logic is that a way to tie out, a way to tie in. So that's where I'm coming from. That's fair. Like you're not wrong. I'm just. Saying I would prefer to hear Ringstar. Of know? course, yeah, of course. I, I, I could have guessed. Um, right. Put Heen in it, fuck it. Uh, yeah. She'll her, win the whole damn thing. I mean, her and he, her and Rena would have the best tournaments, to be fair, because they, they are just kicking ass. They really are. They're great. Um, We just don't shut up, so uh, we should take this no. one, because this is really long. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is. So yeah, that was our... Uh, Thoughts on on uh, Yokohama Dream Yokohama Cinderella, Cinderella 2021 in spring. In spring. Uh, we yes. definitely did not uh, fuck about. We were just right to the point with everything. Uh, we, you know, didn't didn't stutter, didn't stumble at any point. Um, no no tangents into WWE from ten years no, ago. No no debates about the importance of tag team championships. Yeah, <laughs> we barely. That talked. was such a long, that was such a long-winded debate about such nothing. <laughs> like we barely touched oh, the result. We were just like, no, like tag team wrestling. This is tag divisions. Tag divisions are no tag division. <laughs> oh man. Uh, okay. Um, Close us out, buddy. Yeah. Uh, VG should be soon. I don't know. I think so. Maybe next week. Maybe. Hopefully. It's a very busy week. Uh as as people may know. I, I run, I co run 
the pro wrestling department at Last Word on Sport. Uh, obviously, did we... you catch that anime reference that I wrote in my article? Because that's what I do now. Uh, I, I make references to anime. I don't think I paid close wrestling. enough attention, so maybe. But um, yeah, I I co-run the thing. And obviously it's WrestleMania week, so we're very busy. So me and Dylan may not get time to do VTG this week. Uh, so it'll probably be next week when we talk about uh, some cool shows, some really, really cool shows. Uh, we managed to find the Oat Award show uh, in full from, from 1991, uh, April 91. So we're going to watch that and talk about that. And we're going to talk about a Corkin show that has Azra Kong versus Monster Ripper. Uh, if that sounds appealing to you, then keep your eyeballs peeled for Victory Through Guts to drop. Um, but yeah, with that, I'm going to close the show before I uh, talk us into hitting two hours. So, um, as usual, if you want to stand, you may stand. If you want to sit, you may sit. Believe today, shine tomorrow. You decide what you believe in. Ijo. Ijo. Arrivederci.